It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on a wonderful Memorial Day, May 25th, a little holiday edition of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. Glad to be with you. A bunch to get to. Um, We want to definitely talk about the the latest developments about MLS possibly getting back, Um, some more Orlando developments, some stuff uh, revolving around uh, Chicharito, which we talked about a little bit on Thursday. We're going to talk about more, Uh, maybe a little Bundesliga in there as well. And uh, I don't know, Kevin, maybe we'll get fined for this. Uh, I said his name already, but he's back. Uh, Kevin, the Panda Baxter, back in the the house as well. Kevin, how's how's your holiday going? It's just the same as every other day in quarantine. Nothing's <laughs> any different. I was going to say, it didn't really change all that much, right? You didn't have, nope. any, have any big plans? You didn't want to go to some giant pool party down in, uh, down in the south? Nope. Nope. No desire. I see those pictures on, online of all the people having the parties, and they're out of their freaking minds. Um, I mean, if you don't really care about yourself, how about your neighbors? Or how about the doctors and nurses? They're going to have to clean this mess up in a couple of weeks. Yeah, it's uh, it's not. Hey, I, I, as I told you, um, you know, before we started, we had a huge uh, party here, a, a big, uh, big grilling party at, at my house. Um, you know, there were at least um, two other people uh, here uh, at, at the grilling party. So uh, we had the Memorial Day grill rocking and rolling. Uh, um, in in social distancing style, there was nothing going on, but it was fun. We had hot dogs. Well, I think a, a rocking a rocking and rolling grill could be dangerous. It's on <laughs> yeah, fire. Yeah, it's it was good. Anyway, uh, a busy day. Uh, I I was hoping this Monday would be a little more relaxing, but it seems like uh it was going to be a busy day. So got a lot of stuff done. Glad to do it. Um, there's some soccer stuff that we definitely have to talk about, though, Kevin. Um, and let's start a little bit with where the LA Galaxy would have been. We've been keeping track of this uh, in the recent shows. Um, and again, we don't do this to depress you. It's more an understanding about where the LA Galaxy would be and how much uh, you know ground MLS has to make up as of this moment. Uh, so the Galaxy would be starting a three-game homestand uh, starting on Wednesday night. It would have been a Spectrum game, uh, would have been broadcast uh, on Spectrum Sportsnet there, and it would have been DC United at home uh, on May 27th. Then there would have been a home game on Sunday night or Sunday afternoon uh, when Minnesota came in, Sunday, May 31st. That game uh, also postponed, and by the way, if you're looking at it, it would have been after a little bit of a break. Um, you would have seen the San Jose Earthquakes uh, coming to uh, Dignity Health Sports Park as well, a nationally televised game on Unamas, um, and that game would have been on June 13th. So that's sort of where we're at. If you take up this week, though, Kevin, May 27th and May 31st, the LA Galaxy will be missing their 13th and 14th games of the season. So uh, None of those officially canceled ticket holders. Yeah, I was going to say, always, uh, always, you always have to sort of put that in, in, in the caveat right now because nothing Things been canceled. Everything just says postponed. The funny part, though, is uh, as we've seen, the league has delayed everything until June 8th. Right, Kevin? So they say as of right now, it's June 8th, and they just sort of put a pause after that, which means that if you go on the LA Galaxy schedule, it shows that the Wednesday game coming up is postponed. It shows that the Sunday game on May 31st is postponed. Uh, but if you go to the game against the San Jose Earthquakes, uh, that game is supposed to be at Dignity Health Sports Park on Saturday, June 13th, uh, is currently showing 7 p.m. Pacific time and not postponed, mostly because of the fact that uh, the league has not uh, postponed those games yet. 
Well, we had tickets for Hamilton in April. Uh, that is not only postponed, it's gone. We've already bought new tickets with, using the money that we had for the old ones to buy new tickets in December. So Hamilton's got to, got its crap together. They, they've they already rescheduled everything. Come on, MLS, let's go. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, it is sort of an interesting... Here, here's the whole thing about these games is you could realistically say that they're all sort of canceled at this point in the terms of that fans aren't going to be allowed to watch these. So having tickets for these isn't really going to matter uh, because as we've seen, and, see, and it certainly seems like the plan is, at least here in California, that there won't be any fans back in the stadium, um, you know, in this 2020 calendar year. I, I'm right now I'm hopeful for 2021. Uh, but when you look at this, though, Kevin, it, you know, it's sort of it's giving some false hope in a lot of ways. It's like, oh, well, it's just June 8th, um, but it's not June 8th. And really, uh, you know, even as we're talking about this Orlando tournament, um, you know, MLS is back. Um, this Orlando tournament coming up, it, it still is not going to have fans there. And uh, they're looking at possibly traveling the week of June 8th down to Orlando. So it's not even like it's something that where they would be playing games this weekend. It, it's more about out, I would expect that this week, Kevin, you're going to see another announcement from Major League Soccer before the end of the month, before the end of May, um, and maybe it's the beginning of June, but you're going to see that other announcement that is going to push things, and I think they're waiting this time uh, because they want to announce something concrete, which is Yes, these games are postponed slash canceled, however they're going to say it, but we have a plan, and we're going to be in Orlando, and MLS is back. No, I think they're going to say, don't talk about it, or we're going to fine you, which we'll get to in a minute. But a um, couple of things on that. Uh, the reason why the, the MLS is not giving or, or canceling the games and giving the money back is because ticket money is is the leading source of revenue for the league. And the longer they can hold on to it, uh, the better off they're going to be. And they also, I believe, think a lot of fans are either going to just have that money forwarded to next year or, or fail to claim it or whatever. There, there's, it doesn't behoove MLS in any way to give that money back until they absolutely have to, and I think they're going to hang on to it as long as possible. On the home games this season, I, w- I would have agreed with you until just a couple days ago. <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm beginning to wonder, though, because things are starting to go a little bit fast, and I know Governor Newsom's taken a lot of heat, but when you look at um, the outbreak in California compared to, say, New York, you know, I think probably he's he's been cautious and, and it's it's worked to our benefit that, the, you know, the, the coronavirus has not been as bad as it could have been in California. Um, but having said that, Governor Newsom also said, look, when Major League Baseball asked, he said, I don't think we're going to see games in empty stadiums, certainly not by July. Um, we may not see them all this year. The, the, uh, the County Board of Supervisors in Santa Clara County, where the earthquakes play, said, we don't think we're going to see professional sports or, or, or college football in a stadium until Thanksgiving, if then. That's what they said just weeks ago. Uh, it's moving along faster. I mean, we're already in phase two in a lot of places. I went to restaurants in, Vin- in Ventura County to do a story I didn't eat there. But I went to restaurants in Ventura County. I went to the opening of the casinos in Morongo. Some things are coming back. Um, right. I'm not saying I'm not predicting that there will be games in stadiums with fans, but I I am much more optimistic that it might happen in the fall if there isn't a second wave. Um, I'm much more optimistic that it's a possibility. A couple of weeks ago, even a week ago, I would have said no way. Just listening to what the uh, political uh, uh, you know authorities were saying, now I see a little bit more hope. I'm not predicting it's going to happen, but uh, I, I, it wouldn't surprise me now nearly as much as it would have a week ago. Yeah, it is one of those things, and I have to agree. You know, with the, with developments and. 
I think it's certainly people's want for, for, for normalcy. There has been this sort of, um, you know, agreement to, I think, inherit a little more risk. Um, not, not a ton in some ways. Uh, for some people, they're going to inherit all the risk and they just don't care. Um, but, you know, I, I think that what hasn't been talked about enough is how you get back into going out and doing things. It's not so much about staying inside forever because that's a that's something that can't happen. Um, and it's not going to happen. And people are going to go back to work. And it's, it's how you assess the risk yourself whenever you're going to do certain activities. And it's, you know, I, I saw a chart. It was sort of simple. And it was like, hey, you know, if there's a choice between inside or outside, choose outside. Outside is better than inside. Being in a confined space is worse than being in an outdoor space. So between those two, you lessen the risk by being outside. It's like, can you be outside and be, you know, six feet away from everybody? Okay, now you've lessened the risk even more. You know, it's like all these things that you can do that can get you back into um, you know, a little bit closer. And so, you know, for me, I can look at that and say, okay, well, you know, this is, I, I can, I can see myself increasing the risk because of this, but I'm decreasing it. So really, I think I'm still being careful. Like there's different ways that you can sort of look at that stuff, um, Kevin, and, and make those decisions. But in none of my risks so far, have I uh, gone through and said, okay, um, yeah, I'm going to be back in a stadium with a, with a stadium full of people. To me, that, that risk, even though it's outside, uh, is, is at least at the moment, um, something that I can't handle. Um, well, and, and yeah. I think MLS is much better suited than, say, the NBA or NHL. I don't see those guys coming back uh, with fans in, until the start of next season, which I know is the fall, but maybe even after Christmas because they're indoors. And as you said, outdoor, the, the risk is a lot a lot less. So I can see I can see outdoor games coming back faster than, than indoor games. I mean, I, that, that's pretty obvious. You know who would have been the perfect team for this? I mean, they could probably could have started playing this week would be Chivas USA. I was going to say. Outdoors, yes. there's no one there. It's the, everyone's socially distanced because there's like one person for every 12 seats. Yep. Um, they would have been perfect. Yeah, that was the, I was going to say, as soon as you started saying that, I'm like, I know where he's going with this one. Um, no, you're, you're, you're right on that. All right, let's get to a, a little bit of news. Um, we want to talk about, you know, sort of what happens if Chicharito doesn't go to Orlando, but we sort of want to set up Orlando a little bit more from what we've learned and certainly from some of the great reporting from The Athletic um, and that has been covering MLS and been doing it. So let's start with Don Garber and how he basically threatened The Athletic and he threatened employees um, and he threatened uh, players and everybody else uh, for leaks that are basically going on. If you've been uh, paying attention to The Athletic, they've done a great job. Uh, they've gotten documents uh, from MLS that basically have laid out how um, how this Orlando idea is coming about and how it's coming together and the amount of details that it is. And if anything, Kevin, um, you and I talk about the lack of transparency from Major League Soccer. If anything, this this opening up of, of documents and seeing what's going on has made me feel better about how this how these things are starting to come together, that there are answers, that there are plans. Um, and so it, I think it's an important thing, and I think it's important for fans, players, coaches, everybody to sort of understand what's happening right now. But uh, as the the head of a you know hundred million dollar probably close to billion dollar league whenever you look at this um you know there's probably some problems with secrets getting out too so i can see it a little bit from both sides i just think that this one goes a little bit too far and uh, the athletic did a great job uh they got a they got a leaked memo from uh, from a memo about not to leak things which is which well, is just perfect 
they got a lot of leaked memos. But on this one, I am not a friendly, cuddly t- panda bear. I'm an angry, angry grizzly bear. And here's why I'm angry. MLS, as you mentioned, they're t- normally about as transparent as, as concrete. But here's the thing. with the, the the Athletic has got everything right. And, yes, they have documents leaked to them. You know what? Good reporters get documents linked to them. It's The, the national security is not uh, you know a concern with these leaked documents. Uh, Don Garber never challenged any of the reporting. He never said they got anything wrong. In fact, he's pretty much admitted that they got everything right because he's threatening any anyone else who leaks uh, anything to the media. And he he mentioned he, I don't think he mentioned the athletic by name, but he mentioned the reporting that, that the athletic had done. Um, but anyone that that does that leaks anything to uh, sources can be uh, terminated, can be fined a million dollars, sanctioned, all kinds of things. It implies the players, staff, uh, basically any team uh, any team employee. Um, and, and this is wrong for so many reasons. First of all, if someone's going to say, hey, you're just a journalist out there and you just want, uh, you know, p- people to cooperate with journalists. Yeah, I do. But so do you as a fan, because, you know, everyone's coming up and saying, hey, what's going on with Orlando? Are we going to go to Orlando? The team's going to go to Orlando. How many games are going to play? How long are they going to be there? Are they going to be sequestered? Everyone, you know, anyone listening to this, you know, you have those questions. Well, it's up to the reporters if the league isn't going to tell us. You know, the Athletic and a little bit ESPN.com and, and Steve Goff at the Washington Post, they've gotten some of those answers. The Athletic's gotten more than the other two, but they've gave us some of those answers. That's how we know things like all 26 teams will be quarantined in a hotel for 10 weeks. So it's going to be a, a tournament with four groups uh, playing five games in group play and with eight advancing to uh, a, a knockout round competition. Uh, we know that the players uh, are supposed to get there sometime in June and they're taking charter flights. These are all things that have been broken by these journals by using the leaked documents. And it behooves MLS to have that out there because right. what are what are these outlets reporting? They're reporting MLS may be the first team back. MLS has a plan. MLS wants soccer to come back. It's going to be on TV. It's coming. Hang on. You know, rest, help is on the way. The Calvary is on the way. This is all really good stuff for uh, – for MLS, and I get it that Don Garber doesn't want some of their um, dirty laundry aired, and by that I mean there is a dispute between uh, the players' union and and the league on salary cuts and some other things. Really, the, the owners are having problems uh, with salary, uh, you know, and pay payment for players. Right. So was every other league. This is not a secret. MLS was looking really good, like they had a plan, and then they just crap all over it. By hiring a private investigator, that's another thing they've done. Don Garber's hired yes. a private investigating team to to try to ferret out these leaks. And and you know the Galaxy tried to do that with with uh, some reporting here last year. Yeah, I was going to say. Well, I'll tell the story because it's. I don't know that we fully told it. We may have hinted at it before. Um, but during last summer transfer window, we were uh, Kevin. Between you and I, I think we were pretty on top of things uh, that were happening. Uh, we told you that the Galaxy were even trying to move Jorgen Shelvick last summer transfer window. That ended up not happening. Um, but all of our stuff was very accurate at that time um you know and even the Jorgen Shelvick story is true we just told you that it didn't look like it was going to happen and it, and it didn't happen but it was certainly something they were trying um so we were all over things and I was told that there was a meeting at one point by the galaxy talking about leaks and going out and maybe it they was meant, leaked it was leaked to you it, it was leaked to me um and so uh and so you know maybe maybe that uh that maybe our our particular website uh maybe the podcast uh Kevin 
maybe yours and I's and everybody's names sort of were brought up in that whether or not that was 100% and that's exactly how it happened but I know that they were worried about leaks um, in there and they had to have a meeting about it um, you know with it with all of the employees there so it was really I mean and you the, know and the players too right yeah yeah I'm sure I'm sure it was the players too I don't know if they talked to the players to be honest with you I never actually asked um, uh, another I, thing before I forget you're talking about leaks the reason we know that Don Garber has done all these things and threatened to fire people over leaks and hired a private investigator to uh, ferret out leaks is because that was leaked to the <laughs> athletic. So his his strategy is not working very well. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, if 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 this was maybe Garber put out this memo knowing like they were going to trace the emails this time and, and put it out. So, uh, you know, if I'm anybody, I just print the email out, scan it into a PDF and then send it over to somebody else. You know, like so that way you, the, the, the digital chain is not exactly uh, kept that way. But it's just it's it's super interesting that it's interesting that that Garber would have this approach that MLS and, and certainly he talks about, you know, it's hurting our commercial partners. It's hurting, you know, all these other things. And you can how I, how, yeah. how is it hurting anybody? It's, I, it, it's drawing attention to the league. Good attention. Yeah, I mean, you know, for the most part, I've from what I've seen from MLS and the details that they put into this, again, it gives me sort of an understanding that they have their ducks in a row on most of this stuff. Um, and now it's really going to be about the players accepting a certain amount of risk. And we were talking about risk earlier, but it's about the players accepting a certain amount of risk to go back and play. And some players are definitely okay with that, and some players aren't. Um, it's funny because Thursday night we had a show and we talked about the guidelines that were sort of set forth on competition and, and a bunch of different things. Um, Late Thursday night, the Athletic actually came out with another document um, that came out, and, and this was a, another leak. It was the MLS Competition and Club Delegation Guidelines, and from that, we have more information about this tournament. Um, and basically, it says that you know the seeded teams um, in those four groups that we knew about were Atlanta, LAFC, Seattle, and Toronto. And Toronto's likely to get a second seed, and Orlando will get a number one position because Orlando is technically the host. I don't know why Orlando gets a host spot in this though Kevin it's not like they're playing at Orlando City they're playing at the wide world it's not like they're gonna get fans yeah yeah, I mean it's not like they're gonna get fans yeah exactly it's like why do you need anyway so however whatever you say um but you you look at that here's what the stuff here's what the stuff that you're telling me told told me here's what I learned from that that MLS has a plan that they're working on it um that they have the, the the that they there are difficult questions to ask there is salary issues on the table. You could have assumed that. You, right. A lot of the stuff you could have assumed. But now it's allowed fans through the athletics reporting. So, yes, journalists are reporting this. But guess what, folks? You know, there were 6 million fans that went to MLS games last year. They're not going to invite all of those people into the conference room. So the reporters are, are getting some of this information. They're letting us know what's going on in real time. And I think it helps us as fans because we can look at that and say, oh, this is a good idea. This is not so much a good idea. Oh, the hundred. The players have a hundred questions about um, the uh, quarantine and the testing. That's good. The players are asking. Oh, MLS is answering some of those questions. They're negotiating. All of this is good. Would you re- really rather say MLS say, "Hey, on March twelfth, we're not playing any more games," and then in uh, in June fifteenth, say, "We're all in Orlando now. We're going to play a tournament." Really, that's what MLS wants. They want you completely and totally in the dark. And we know that because that's what they did, you know, four, five years ago when there was the last CBA being negotiated. It wasn't finalized until hours before the first game. Did you know MLS on any on none of their uh, official websites and channels 
even mention there was the possibility of the opening weekend being canceled because of the uh, of the labor negotiations. As far as MLS was concerned, that never happened. I, I just think that's a disservice to the fans. And this let, lets us know a little bit how the sausage is made. And I think at this point, it's all to the good. And, and one last thing, MLS talks a lot about, you'll see in news reports on TV and papers, magazines, whatever, you know, reporters will talk about the, the big three uh, sports leagues, which is NBA, Major League Baseball, and the NFL. Or sometimes they'll say the top four sports leagues that will include the NHL. MLS always wants to know why they're not in that conversation. Why isn't it the top five? We're, you know, we're more popular than, than uh, NHL in a lot of the, con- you know, a big part of the country. You know, we have great attendance. We average more for our games than the NBA and the NHL. Why aren't we talked about? Well, it's because you do ham-handed stuff like this and you look stupid. Um, you, you, you're not acting like a major league, so you're not going to be treated like a major league. And it, I'm talking about the, you know, the home office. I'm talking about the right. commissioner's office back in New York, not individual teams. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, and that's, that's sort of the, the thing with this. It's, it's, and you've seen this from, um, I've certainly seen it from different PR teams that I've worked with. It is this, this want to control everything. Um, and you, you can't. Um, so stop trying. There's ways, though, to go about this and make your case. Um, you know, a good PR staff really gets in there and and makes suggestions to reporters in terms of, hey, you know, I got this player over here. And did you know that, you know, he he has seven fingers on his right hand? It's like, what? No, I didn't know there were seven fingers on his right hand. Let me, I'm, I want to talk. He's a goalkeeper and he's got seven fingers. That's crazy. What kind of gloves does he wear? You know, like it's all that stuff. Like you can make these, these little suggestions and plant ideas and there's a way to to influence the message you can't control what people are going to write now i could talk to the goalkeeper with seven fingers and you know he could he could spit rachel slurs at me and then all of a sudden it's not going to be the same story that you wanted to have you can't control the message but you can influence the message and you can try to guide things but it's also looks bad whenever you're sitting there and it's like you're trying to jump on top of a fire hose that's out of control kevin you know you're like oh well i'm going to control this situation i'm going to jump on top of this fire hose it's like no, no no just let the fire hose go there's no point you can turn the water off back here um, you know, let's let's calm down a little bit. It's just well, it, it seems like they're out of control. And whenever they try to do this stuff and you're absolutely right, there's two ways to do this, a good way and a bad way. One, the good way is keep the reporters busy. If you want st- you want stuff in the paper or you want stuff on on the pod or, or wherever the website you want, you want the publicity. So you do go to the, the, the media and you talk about the goalkeeper with seven fingers. You give them a story a week. You keep them busy. You uh, And yeah, you know, are you guiding the reporters? Yeah, but but that's your kind of your job. So that's one way to be proactive. The other thing to do is to say, um, you know, if you or I go out and say, hey, we'd like to talk to Daniel Sturris or we'd like to talk to Chicharito. And if, the, if they return with, what about? He might not be available this week. I don't know if he can talk to you. Um, don't ask him about this. You know what? A good reporter, as soon as uh, uh, those kind of uh, questions are asked, immediately, what's wrong? Why can't we ask him about this? What are you hiding? That's the first thing that comes up rather than say, you want to talk to Chicharito? Sure, no problem. And just let it happen. Maybe you know there's a secret that Chicharito's hiding. But if you tip your hand, it just makes it that much easier for the reporter. And I remember a couple of years ago, right before Steven Gerrard left, I wanted to ask him, um, my interview was going to be, look, you know, uh, he might not come back next year. He came here to win a title. He still hasn't won a league championship. He may retire. How disappointed is he or something to that effect, but it was a goodbye Steven Gerrard story. And, you know, um, it, was this a successful experiment was kind of the idea. And the galaxy actually told me, we don't think that that's the message that we want to send out. Well, guess what, sweetheart? 
I'm in charge of the message. I'm the guy writing the story. Um, and when you tell me we don't want that message, guess what? That makes me want to do that story even more <laughs> because it ju- I just feel like there's something there that they don't want out. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know. It is, you know, maybe some people think that's a lot of the things that are wrong with the media, but um, that's kind of our job is to be a watchdog and, and to let, you know, t- in, the, in the case of sports, to let fans and season ticket holders know about the organization and what the organization's thinking and how they're spending your hard-earned money when they go out and sign players. Um, and so, you know, when the teams are not cooperative and the league is not cooperative and Dan, and Dan Gar- or Don Garber comes out and says, we're going to find someone who talks to the media, that doesn't help because right away it makes it think, what are you hiding? What, what haven't we found out yet? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and and the list, by the way, of things that there are, there's four major things. I don't know if you went over them or not, but basically, it was um, that teams cannot teams or team employees or players or anybody associated with Major League Soccer basically uh, can't discuss the following things: the impact of COVID nineteen pandemic on MLS or its clubs. Uh, that's kind of a story that everybody. I I think a lot of people want to know about that. (laughs) Any potential approaches to returning to play. that you seems mean, like fans might want and might not want to know if there's going to be another game in their city this year. Yeah. I mean, the only one that I'm sort of like, okay, maybe, and I can understand because you're in negotiations is any discussions with the MLSPA, including information about potential pay cuts. Usually whenever they're trying to negotiate these things, Kevin, there's usually pretty tight lip from both sides about it. Um, so I understand why they would want to try to do that. It doesn't mean that like people aren't going to talk about that. That's a huge part of this because um, I was talking to, to one player, um, about some of the stuff and you know their their sort of take was that listen the MLS owners can afford to carry us at our full wages but it's almost like a PR thing for them that they want to show that you know they're we're tightening the belts and they're tightening the belts and everybody's tightening the belts because we're all in this together it's a it's more of a PR play than it is an actual thing and whether or not that's true I don't know but that's what I was sort of told right and so you listen to that and you say okay but that's a discussion to have about weight about potential pay cuts that's something that you'd want to ask players like well do you think that it's it's up to you to take a pay cut here is it is it 20 percent and then they can sit there and say yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, when you think about all the things that are going on around, it's an easy question. Anyway, that was the third thing. Um, and then any information discussed in MLS Board of Governors calls, MLS committee calls or meetings or in any other forum in which official league business is covered. I kind of get that one. You want to have, I mean, you should be able to, that's a, a, a co- corporate board meeting. Um, you kind of, I think, expect that some of that's going to be secret and that allows people to freely talk. But I, I do get how someone could be, could, could come out of that meeting and say, look, we're making progress. Um, you know, we feel good about where things are going or uh, it's not looking good, whatever, you know, you don't have to get down to brass tacks, but I'll go back to the players association thing. Um, I, I get that too. But on the other hand, um, you know, I think what the the league's feeling is, is if it comes out that, you know, we're millions of dollars apart and then there's an agreement, the first question is going to be, well, what was the compromise? And maybe it doesn't look make the league look good. But just to expect that people are just going to sit there and wait for the, the, the smoke to come out of the chimney and never ask how they got there. Um, is ridiculous. I mean, you're the you're a major league, you know, and you're trying and you're bringing some of the best players in the world here. 
questions are going to be asked. And if you want to be a major league, you got to answer that question. Otherwise, it, this should be the NASL and or, or the NWSL, and, and you know, and and let's not worry about it anymore. Yeah, uh, I, I like it. You got a Pope reference in there. That's a, it, that's why we pay you the big bucks, Kevin. Bring in the yeah, absolutely the, the Papal selection. Um, so anyway, so that's sort and of that's no knock on women's soccer. I'm not dissing the NWSL, but I think we can all agree it's not at the same level as MLS right now, and the MLS is aspiring to be bigger. So act like it. Yeah. Um, here's the uh, let's get to some of the new testing and competition guidelines that came out after our, our little bit of show there. And then we're going to talk about what happens if Chicharito doesn't go to Orlando, because I think that's super important. Um, basically, the the protocol for testing and everything that's going on with with all these leagues about the possible trip to Orlando would begin 72 hours before teams would actually head to Orlando. Um, it would arrange for all clubs, delegates, traveling players and staff to complete two uh, PCR tests. Um, that's the polymerase chain reaction PCR. We'll just call it that. Uh, Easy for you to say. Yeah, I was going to say PCR test 24 hours apart and a single serology test. This is the antibody test. Uh, this protocol would be identical for match officials and MLS staff going to Orlando. Uh, club delegates would take serology tests every three months afterwards. Players that test positive and PCR tests would not travel to Orlando and instead be quarantined. Players and staff in their market would be subjected to additional cardiac testing. Uh, so they're doing heart testing that I don't know. That's whatever. However, this is written and however this goes, it's all interesting. Uh, if someone tests positive, uh, all club delegates, as we've talked about, would quarantine themselves within the hotel in Atlanta, in Orlando for a period of seven consecutive calendar days, regardless of arrival date. Um, so, Kevin, if you went, you showed up, uh, you would be at the hotel for seven days. You're not allowed to leave. Um, but there's already a little wiggle room in there because the players are getting out to uh, train once right. a day. And then it does say that they can uh, move about the the resort. This resort is, is a beautiful resort. It's huge. Uh, and it's off the highway and it's very secluded. So you're not going to run into somebody uh, accidentally on the, on the, on the grounds. But... You can get out of your room to walk around, but it also says that the food will be delivered to your room. So yeah, so so you can get out. You have to wear your mask. You have to do the social distancing. All that stuff is is still there, and you're required to take daily screening questionnaires and uh, questionnaires and temperature checks. Um, but you have to stay in the hotel. Um, that's the 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 big part of that for that first seven days. Um, but it seems like that's probably the plan for most of this time. Um, but one of the things I, I don't mean to interrupt. Yeah. Well, I probably do. I always interrupt. But um, one of the things that that I learned from the latest reporting is that at first um, everybody was saying all of the hotel workers would be sequestered as well. So if you're a, a chambermaid or you're a cook or you're a, di a bottle washer or you know, whatever, you have to stay in the hotel for ten weeks away from your family. There had to be some uh, hue and cry. I mean, you can understand the, the people at the resort would say, no, we're not going to do that. I mean, especially if they're not making a ton of money, like, you know, the $6 million that Chicharito's making. Um, so th then it apparently came out that, well, okay, the staff will go home at night and come back the next day. And the players are saying, well, if they can do that and they're making our beds and making our food and touching, you know, the things that we and, and are responsible for cleaning up, if they get to go home, or leave the grounds. Why can't we leave the grounds? Why do we have to be sequestered? And that's a really good question. Yeah, no, no, it, it's it's all of this is just you know, um, when you look at how this all goes down, it's a question about okay, cool. If you're going to do this to everybody, then you have to do it to everybody. And if you're not going to do it to everybody, then what's the point? Um, because there are, I mean, listen. It is, um, I think we can all agree that there's an exponential rise in the ability to transfer, um, you know, this this disease 
if you add the more people you add into the mix. So um, they're estimating that each club would travel between 45 and 47 personnel. Uh, the athletic did the math on that. And if every club took 46 people, it would be 1,196 people for all 26 teams. Um, if they all brought 46 delegates, right? So almost 1,200 people uh, from the MLS contingent. And that doesn't count match officials. It doesn't count league administrators. Team, you know, there's, there's, there's a whole bunch of things that doesn't count. The athletic, uh, yeah, I mean, the athletic, they're going to be there. Um, you know, all, all that stuff is is very interesting at this point to see who it would be. Um, so you you have a bunch of people. You have twelve hundred people. Now you play the exponential game. If everybody was allowed to leave the resort, um, and you add that to the exponential numbers of every person, every staff player who was at the resort, it suddenly starts to get to a gigantic number. And it's always a gigantic number whenever you do the, and I tell two friends and I tell two, three, two friends, you know, that how it keeps, uh, exponentially growing like that. So, um, there's risks involved in all of this. Um, and that's sort of, you know, where we're at. I, I thought it was worth noting. And, and certainly the athletic thought it was worth noting, uh, players would be allowed to decline participation in the competition um now that was of course due to a high risk of severe illness as approved by a club medical officer but the document uh injured players and our players with season ending injuries may also be excluded from the club delegation um we talked about the five allotted substitutions that will be allowed by uh ifab as they've made that change um only three stoppages in play but halftime doesn't count as one of those stoppages um so there's a whole bunch of things that we've sort of been learning and you know we've talked about orlando kevin and i don't think i need to tell you this uh from somebody who who lived in florida um, you know, there's a heat issue in, in Florida, especially this time of the year. You've talked about it before. There's a hurricane issue this time a year as well. Games would be scheduled at 9 a.m., 8 p.m., and 10.30 p.m., um, which I think is interesting, which means that they have a World Cup. Yeah, if they had a 9 a.m. game, um, that would be 6 a.m., uh, our time here on the West Coast. So would they just have East Coast teams play at 9 a.m.? Uh, would they have any West Coast teams play at 9 a.m.? Because otherwise, usually if you're on the West Coast, uh, that's a 6 a.m. start. We'd have to get up early to watch soccer. That's ridiculous. How, how dare we? Well, a couple of things, I think, to give you an idea, and again, going back to the athletics reporting, I think letting us come in the room and experience some of these discussions that are going on is helpful because it illuminates the fact that these are difficult questions and 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 they don't have clear answers. And if you don't believe that, if you've watched any of the KBO, the Korean Baseball Organization games that have been on ESPN, it's very interesting. The players sit in the dugout right next to one another without mask on. Some guys do have mask on if like they're a third string catcher or something, but they don't have to. Most of the players don't. They all sit together in the dugout. Um, the players on the field do not wear gloves, except for the fielding glove, do not wear gloves and do not wear masks. The umpires who are on the field right next to the players, they wear uh, masks and gloves. Why Why do the players not have to wear them? The umpires do. Going back to the dugout, everyone's crowded in the dugout. Major League Baseball's proposals, um, which we've read about without uh, fear of sanction from the reporters that reported it, they're talking about if Major League Baseball comes back, the players on the bench are supposed to sit in the stands, which will be empty. In other words, you're supposed to social distance yourself not sit in the dugout like the Koreans do. Well, why does it work in the U? Why does it work in Korea and doesn't work here? It's just people are are grasping for some sort of solutions. If you watch the games in the Bundesliga, you'll notice players on the bench they're wearing um, masks. The the coaches, which are sitting are standing in front of them, sometimes coming back and sitting on the bench, they do not wear a mask. Why do the coaches not have to wear a mask when they're standing next to players that do have to wear them? Again, nobody knows the answers to these questions. Everyone's just sort of reaching for that light switch in the dark. And 
I like the fact that I'm learning that major league uh, that major league soccer is dealing with these questions and trying to find the answers. I'd much rather know that they talked about this stuff rather than have Don Garber send out a press release in two weeks to say we figured it all out and here's what we're doing and don't ask how we got here. Yeah, it's it, again. You say it's you know like seeing how the sausage is made. It's important to see this because. Um, let's be honest, any of these things that come out on Twitter or any of the social media get picked apart. Um, they get picked apart clearly and quickly and from multiple different points of view. And there's a point of view which says, if you don't like it, you can stay home. And then there's the point of view of, you know, you really needed to look at everybody's um, sort of exposure to this because you have very real consequences for people who um, who can get this or very real consequences for people, um, you know, who have uh, loved ones at home, whether they're uh, pregnant wives, which we're going to talk about here shortly, uh, whether they have uh, kids or they have parents who already have, um, you know, medical conditions and everything else. I don't, did you watch any of the match uh, on, on Sunday uh, with uh, Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods and, and, uh, and Peyton Manning and Tom Brady? Did you see any of that? I did not. I do not watch game shows. Dude, that was okay. Listen, I know we're I know we're in a desert of sports right now, and like I you watch know, marble racing. Yeah, I was gonna say marble <laughs> racing is also something. But um, being somebody who likes golf, I was I was like, oh, let's watch it. My wife enjoyed watching that as well. First of all, Tom Brady plays golf about as well as me. Um, of course, then he had to do something Tom Brady, which is like you know knocking in from 110 yards, which is something that I don't do on a regular basis. But it was just it was fun to watch guys struggle. Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, they're not golfers. Uh, and then it's fun to watch you know Phil and Tiger sort of play as well. Um, you know. Phil's, Phil's my boy, Arizona State guy. Uh, I love Tiger Woods, so it's just it's fun to watch these guys sort of play. But it was um, it was interesting because you had these four guys. They didn't wear masks. They were all in their own own golf carts, right? They didn't wear masks, but all the crew around them had masks on. Um, so you know, there's there's it, it was interesting to see how they put all this together and how they did all of these things and how they had the announcers uh, themselves were in one tent that had three separate areas in it so that way that they wouldn't be within um, you know the social distancing uh, of it it had dividers between them and so like you had Charles Barkley looking through a a tent at uh, at one of the announcers and you know you had Trevor Emmelman on the other side looking through so it was just really interesting to sort of see how even on golf which lends itself very very well to social distancing um which is very interesting the the best part was one of them i think uh i think tom brady made a putt uh that got uh that their team he was on the team with phil Mickelson. they got a putt to within and they went to go high five each other and they're like we can't high five and they like stopped just before they did it because they're like no we're not allowed to do this but they were all excited um so it's just interesting it's it's trying to take the athletes who are used to this stuff i mean you know like uh, i think in the bundesliga we've seen some violations of social distancing right especially yeah first week it's it's something that everybody has to get used to. So I just I, I just thought thought it was really interesting to sort of see how that all went. But I mean, you have to understand what you're, what you're pointing out. Is, go ahead. You're, you're, well, you're pointing out, I think, exactly the thing that we were just talking about with the baseball and the Bundesliga is that I don't want to say it's hypocritical. It's just inconsistent the way so the golfers can be unmasked, but the the, the camera guys that are in the and and the, the announcers that are right next to them who are already social distance, they have to wear masks or or whatever. It just shows that nobody knows the answers. And 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 before you ask, no, I'm not going to let up on MLS. I think they're making a huge error, and it's and it's it's to the detriment of the supporters. But going back to being in the room while these decisions are are being made, this is really useful because again, nobody knows the answers. Let's say they decide to um, test once a week, and that's hammered out in these negotiations. Okay, and they talk about it, and the league says we should do three times a week, and the player association says no, once a week, and they come to some sort of compromise. 
And then it blows up three weeks later. You know the league's going to come out and say, we, we said more. We should have more. We knew we should have more. Well, you know what? You didn't tell us. We don't believe you. You didn't let us know. When we see that they've grappled with these issues, and if something goes wrong, doesn't go the way they predicted, and we were in the room listening to them try to come up with a decision, I think that they're going to get cut a lot of slack. Like, hey, you know what? That was one of the things you guys discussed and discarded. Um, you know, you at least brought it up. You were aware of the problem. But again, when they come to us and just hand us a 35-page uh, you know, uh, news release when it's all done and said, here's all the decisions we made and we don't know how they got there, again, I, I want to be in the room when they, when they admit, we don't know the answers to these questions. What do you guys think of this? And yeah. they hammer this out. I just think it behooves the league for everyone to know that they're grappling with these issues and they don't act like they know the answer to everything. Well, well certainly one of the things that has to be you know, discussed, and we talked about the athletic uh, singling out and sort of pointing out that that there is a growing voice of dissent, and we've talked about just the splits that we've seen within players. Um, you know, in terms of some want to go, some don't want to go, um, and their reasons for that are manyfold, whether it's going or not going, and so it's a it's a big deal um, to sort of say this. But um, Chicharito was singled out along with Carlos Vela and, and Nani um, of. Of guys who are saying no, we don't, we don't want to go, we don't need to go. You know, this is it's not safe, and so what are you trying to make us do? So one of the things that MLS certainly has to be grappling with right now, Kevin, is how do they get their biggest stars, the guys who are really going to drive the TV ratings, the guys who are you know their big players for uh, these teams? How are they going to get them to feel comfortable in Orlando? Because um, I would have to imagine that it's a huge issue for Major League Soccer, for their for their TV partners. In this case, it would be ESPN down in Orlando. Um, you know, for all the business decisions that are going along, including advertising and everything else. I mean, you want to talk about how it could possibly hurt the advertising is that, you know, hey, um, uh, McDonald's wants to advertise on this because they know it's live sports and this is going to be great. And so we're going to get some advertising revenue for this and, and ESPN is going to get some advertising revenue for this. And, and But they hear that Chicharito and Carlos Vela and and Nani aren't going to play and all the big name players aren't going to play. And all of a sudden McDonald's is like, well, I don't want to advertise then if you guys aren't going to have your big players. It's it, it can hurt those in some ways, but they have to be discussing this because this is not something that's easy to go around, especially with Chicharito, Carlos Vela. We know both of their situations are they both have wives. They're both pregnant. Um, and so they, one, don't want to be away from their pregnant wives for, you know, eight to ten weeks. Uh, and two is that they don't want to put themselves at risk that could possibly come back um, some Thing and and harm you know their pregnant wives um, and their unborn children. So these are well, and, these are real okay. issues they have to deal with. And it goes even better, bigger than that, I think, because we know about Nani and and Carlos Vela and and Chicharito again, Vela and Chicharito with pregnant wives, and and they've made their money in Europe. You can certainly understand that they're not as desperate for the paycheck as maybe Julian Araujo is. Um, but we don't know about Michael Bradley or Josie Altador. We do know Jordan Morris has diabetes and has had it for most of his life, and he's worried about this. There are other players with some health issues, um, you know, that are worried about this. And and you're absolutely right. You know, when ESPN wants to put this on, mm -hmm. if they uh, have 11 guys running around in Seattle Sounder jerseys and 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 we don't recognize any of the players, that's not MLS. That's College Cup. I mean, you know, and and everyone is very aware of that. But then where do? You, but here's the problem for MLS. Where do you draw the line? Let's say you say, okay, Chicharito, you don't have to go. Your wife's pregnant. Vela, your wife's pregnant. You got to stay home with her. Jordan Morris, diabetes is not a is not an issue. You you got to come. And Jordan Morris says no. Um, well, 
MLS is looking at coming back and playing games in home markets, maybe but probably without fans, but we don't know that yet. In August, September, right. those games will be on TV as well. So here's MLS's position. If they say to Carlos Vela, okay, you don't have to come, you can stay home, um, well then why can't Daniel Steris or Dave Romney or Walker Zimmerman, why can't they say, hey, I want to stay home too? No, my wife's not pregnant, but um, you know, I'm worried about my dog. Whatever excuse yeah. they come up with. Why does Carlos Vela get to stay home and I don't get to? And so then if MLS says to Carlos Vela, no, you have to come, and and Carlos Vela says, screw it, I'm not coming, I'm I'm out of the league then, then when the teams come home in August, Carlos Vela's not there. Or if you've pissed Carlos Vela off and he doesn't want to play anymore or just doesn't give an effort – um, then you've pissed those guys off. So MLS has to look at this and say, look, here's our big return to play in this nationally televised tournament uh, from Orlando. This is going to be great. We're going to be the first league to come back. Everyone's going to watch us. We need Carlos Vela there. Or would we rather have Carlos Vela in August, September, October, November when we play maybe 12, 14 home games in, at Bank of California Stadium in front of the home fans, and those games will be on TV too? Do you piss Carlos Vela off because he doesn't come to your little tournament? Or do, you, or do you give him some slack and let him stay home? Knowing that if you give him some slack, then you got to give everybody some slack. It's going it, to, it's again, this is why I think we should be in the room, you know, hearing this through reporters like the people at The Athletic and, and Steve Goff and others, because this is important. I, I want to know how they're resolving the, these decisions and why, say, Ethan Zubek has to come, but Carlos Vela doesn't. Yeah, I mean, the the big part here, you know, looking at Chicharito and, and looking at that, I mean, how does that impact the teams as well? Listen, um, you know, we've already talked to guys, and and I think Dan Starr says, you know, you're going to have to put a giant asterisk, um, you know, on this, on this season, regardless of what happens. But the league is planning on having the games in Orlando count towards league games. Um, so you're talking about that whenever these teams go back to Orlando and listen, however this format takes place and however the group stage and however these happen, these are league points being played. So are you going to do that without your best players? Um, you know, is Orlando going to want to play without Nani? Um, you know, is that, does that make sense? You know, LFC doesn't want to play. I mean, it, 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 it gets to the real heart of this competition, which is it's even more of a farce and even more of a throwaway season. If you have teams playing without the players, you know, these big name players that, that really got them there, Kevin. I mean, what's the point of even having it if you're not going to have everybody there? Well, and, and two, and this is not soccer specific. Uh, Clayton Kershaw of the Dodgers and Mike Trout of the Angels have both, uh, you know, given indications that they're not interested in being sequestered, being away from their families, uh, that they would rather not play baseball than do that. Um, so it's not, you know, again, it's not an issue just for soccer. It goes back again to what we've been talking about this whole time. Nobody has the answers. Like, why are umpires wearing masks and players aren't? I mean, that, that just. No, because nobody knows, because nobody knows. And everyone's grappling with this and they're, and everyone's trying to do the right thing. I mean, I think we can all agree with that. No one is out here uh, uh, just throwing caution to the wind. They're all trying to do the right thing and nobody has the answers. And that's why we're in this situation. Yeah. I mean, you know, people will certainly make the argument, Kevin, that the owners are only about money. Uh, <clears throat> the owners are about a league that they've invested in and if they don't have the money for that, then that's a that's a serious problem. I mean, you know, you can start talking about a, a league that couldn't survive two years of this, um, you know, and I, I don't know if that's the case. It, it certainly seems that way, um, just in terms of the amount of money that's being bled right now. Now, there's certainly some owners that don't even want to come back and play, I would imagine, because it costs probably more money to get these guys back and playing in Orlando and doing these things behind closed doors, and they're not going to have the ticket receipts. They're not going to have the gates. 
they're not going to have the fans there, um, you know, which also takes a hit on concessions and it takes a hit on, you know, alcohol sales and it takes a, you know, a, a hit on Jersey sales and everything else that sort of comes in. And by the way, you know, a, a recession within the United States also takes a hit on some of those things. And so 2021 is not going to be the same year that it probably was in 2020 just because of the financial hardships that are going around the country. Um, so all of these things are measurable things. And yes, the, 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 the team, the, the owners want to get guys back and playing so that way they can get money from TV because, you know, some money coming in, usually, Kevin, is better than no money coming in uh, unless it really is a case of we're going to lose so much more money by playing these games behind closed doors. And there may be some teams that that's absolutely the case. And so you could understand those owners saying, I don't want, I don't even think we should go back. Um, you know, Eric sort of said that and he was talking about baseball. It's like there's four camps that everybody's in, which is the owners want to come back and play uh, the owners that don't want to come back and play the players who want to play and the players who don't want to play. Right. I mean, and, and all of these have to be balanced and all of these things you, you have to you have to satisfy all of the people who don't want to do things. You're going to have to satisfy them. That this is the best course for them and everybody else. And you just throw everything away, in my opinion, if you don't have the teams that everybody's used to seeing there in Orlando, it becomes even more of just a ridiculous sort of made up, let's play soccer because we can in Orlando type of thing. Um, and it's it's not necessarily, I think it's going to have a very detrimental look to the league if you show up, if the Galaxy show up without Chicharito, and uh, somebody of course made the argument that uh, the LA Galaxy might be better without Chicharito, and I said no, they're definitely worse. Um, uh, you know, they're definitely worse uh, without Chicharito, or at least they're, they would be the same without Chicharito right now, maybe not worse. You know, um, all of these things really come into the, the to play about who the good teams are and how these teams, I mean, it's going to be more about which teams are going to get their big players to show up now than it is about what happens when two teams go up against each other with their best players. You know, if you play one team where none of the big players showed up, is that really the same, you know, same thing? It just, it, it, to me, it, it delegitimizes everything if you can't get people to show up because they don't feel safe. Well, the, the the one organization that I think is most desperate to get this going right now is Disney, which owns NBC. Disney's, Disney World is closed in Orlando, so that means the hotels are empty, the resorts are empty. They're talking about, they've already uh, apparently filed a plan with the governor, in, uh, governor DeSantis in Florida to reopen. I believe July 1st is the date they're looking at, and they've begun taking reservations for the hotels and resorts. So they're looking at a very, uh, they want to get something done in June. They want to fill that hotel. Even if uh, MLS is paying, you know, a quarter on the dollar, that's money that they didn't have before. It's even more important for ESPN. Until the NBA are, comes back, there are no live sports on TV. If they can televise all these games, yes, we know there's not a million, so a billion soccer fans out there, but there is live sports. And I think anyone's going to watch that. So I think Disney is one property here that really wants to see this happen now, sooner rather than later. But when you look at MLS, there is an upside and a downside here. The upside is, let's say they decide to be extra cautious with the players and maybe the tournament doesn't go forward or maybe it goes forward in some sort of bizarre way or maybe they don't force players who aren't comfortable. They don't force them to come. They look cautious. And I think players in Europe, uh, guys who might think about coming here, a Gareth Baylor or Ronaldo someday, are looking at MLS and say, you know what, back in 2020, they did the right thing. Yes, it cost them a season and, and it cost them a lot of money the next season, but they took the player's health and made that the primary concern. They did a good job on that. I want to go play there as opposed to if they just run out and play. And it feels like some of the European leagues 
have have sort of done that. I know that they're not, only the Bundesliga is back, and I think they've done a good job. But uh, in seeing some of the other things that are going on in Europe, it seems like this, there's a rush back to play, and the leagues are not listening to the concerns of the players. So if MLS gets itself in that camp, if they rush back too fast and a bunch of people get sick, guess what? Ronaldo's not coming. Gareth Bale's not coming. We're not going to see those guys here. If MLS does it the right way and be and, and they are cautious – it could really cost them money now, definitely, and maybe some owners don't don't you know last, but the league will survive because it will become a league that that is a player's first league, and you know players are talking about that right now. You yeah. know Chicharito's talking talking to his Mexican national team teammates. You know that that these guys are discussing this, and and that it will get back to some of those big stars, and it will color their decision to come or not. Right. Right. No, I mean, it, it's all interesting. Um, let's talk a little bit about the Bundesliga before we, we wrap everything up. Um, certainly their return has been uh, highly sort of uh, uh, looked at by everybody in Major League Soccer and everybody around the world to sort of see how they're doing things, how they're not. Uh, they had the whole, uh, whole piped in crowd noise thing, which I think I worked. Liked, yeah. I loved it. I loved it. The, you could the, still hear the players talking, but... If you got it on as background noise, that echo, I thought I was watching like a high school lacrosse match or something. Yeah, no, it was it was a little like weird sort of shift. And that 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 sort of uh, white noise, fan noise in the back is is interesting. I know some people hated it. Um, some people liked it. Listen, I don't think <laughs> unless we get back to actually having fans in the stadium uh, that nothing's going to seem right. Um, as it goes, but n- nonetheless, they've been doing it. Um, I thought that the the big sort of takeaways, though, and I know you want to hit on home field advantage. Uh, one of the big things that I thought of was the amount of soft tissue injuries, and I think this is certainly something you're looking at uh, for Major League Soccer. Uh, it seems that all teams will be able to take up to 30 players, um, 30 rostered players to Orlando if they go to Orlando, um, and that's important because of the fact that there were something like 15 or 16 soft tissue injuries within the first week or week and a half of uh, the Bundesliga. Um, And when you look at that, it's the fact that guys had to rush back to get back into shape. Uh, And that's certainly going to be the case for Major League Soccer as well, having, you know, three weeks, four weeks to get up and running um, and then playing competitive matches. I think you're going to see the injuries. That's why the five subs comes in. And that's why the 30 man rosters come in as well. But uh, the home field advantage thing is kind of interesting, Kevin. Yeah, um, the Bundesliga has been a, t- a league that, uh, like all soccer leagues, um, home field advantage is really important. You have, you know, like the the yellow wall in, in Borussia Dortmund, where the supporters really, and in Bayern Munich as well, the supporters really become part of the game. Um, there's some theory, uh, some feeling that they intimidate officials. I, I think the sample size two weeks into the, to the restart is too early to talk about that. But there are numbers about um, uh, how away teams have done. In the last two seasons, which would be all of last season and then this season until it stopped, um, the away teams won 178 of 531 games in the Bundesliga. That's exactly one-third. In other words, the home team lost one-third of the time. Since the Bundesliga has restarted, they've played 18 games. The home team has only won three of those. They've lost 10. The away team, which won only a third of the games before, they've won 10 of, of 18 um, they're three, ten, and home teams are three, ten, and five. There've been five draws. Um, that seems to indicate that the home field advantage has gone away. Again, a very short sample size, uh, and Dortmund did win its only home game in front of the empty yellow wall. But it, it sort of suggests that on a level playing field without the fans, the game is a little bit different. And, and again, maybe the officials are intimidated too. I don't have the number of fouls and all those kind of things or penalty kicks, but the it, it, the game has changed and. 
I point that out because it, it probably will, we probably see those same numbers when the other European uh, teams start. And we'll probably see those same numbers in MLS if we play games in empty stadiums. And you look at the Galaxy with the Southern uh, the southern Stand, the Victoria block, that was supposed to be, you know, our Northern Stand, rather, that was supposed to be the big equalizer. That was going to make the Galaxy, uh, you know, uh, this uh, Dignity uh, Health Sports Park be a real pit for opposing teams to come into, a very difficult place to play, a place where referees are intimidated. Doesn't look like that's going to happen if right. the stadium's empty. Yeah, well, I mean, and, and sort of in my theorizing about how this looks is, I would say that this this affects better uh, this affects bad teams more than it affects the the good teams. The good teams are going to win games regardless of it's at home or away. Now, the percentage of wins on the road is something that you know, obviously, Major League Soccer we've seen is not as high um, as if you were playing at home. But I think the good teams still take that mentality into play, and you can go there. And I think the good teams are the teams that will go on the road and win those games it's the bad teams or the mediocre teams that i i feel like this really hurts because the fans lift the fans help um and they help gain that little bit you know that one percent that half a percent advantage that can end up being the difference in a major league soccer game um so you know for the la galaxy who is i would say at this point uh through two games that we've seen a mediocre team at this point or certainly a team looking to find its way um they may have some more issues than some of the better teams in the league and you know it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out now the galaxy could turn out to be a very good team, in which case they could take advantage of these tournaments and playing games in empty stadiums to beat teams on the road. Um, and maybe with uh, Gamberskolotos, uh, you know, high pressing and always pedal down sort of uh, mindset whenever it comes to attacking on the road, maybe that works better in an empty stadium than it does in a full stadium. So we'll certainly have to uh, to watch that and sort of see. Um, well, I mean, let's look at, look at the reigning champion, the Seattle Sounders, who won the championship at home playing in front of you know 45 50,000 and and Atlanta playing in front of its home crowd you know that sold out stadium uh a sold out football stadium and how well that they've done at home versus on the road now all of a sudden every game is sort of a, a road game without a cr- I mean look at I- Atlanta for example last year Tw- uh, they were 12 2 and 3 at home in front of that big crowd at Mercedes-Benz Stadium they had a losing record they were 6 10 and 1 away from home do they become a mediocre team at home now you know Seattle same thing 11 right. 2 and 4 at home 5 8 and 4 away do they become a mediocre team now because it, it's going to be tough for those teams maybe for more than any other in, in MLS to go from that huge, huge crowd to crickets now. You know, right. No sound at all in that stadium. Well, it's going to be interesting. All right. Uh, I'm going to wrap things up because uh, I okay, think I'm I've got to... keep talking then. I'll y- you just keep you can. Myself. I mean, well, I'm going to hang up eventually. I, I think I have a screaming baby somewhere in this house, so I'm going to go uh, go no, attend to me. that. That's me you hear. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Um, I'm sure it is. But no, I mean, there's a lot of things coming up. Uh, it looks like that, you know, sort of the answers for Orlando are coming. Um, they're coming sooner rather than later. Uh, yeah they'll be leaked yeah i'm sure they will be um and so we'll just keep an eye on that and sort of see how that goes um but it feels like the league is ramping up to restart here in early june and that means games you know in early july first couple weeks in july as well um down in orlando that still seems like it's a likelihood and so we'll keep watching that and certainly uh the way it plays out with the star players and whether or not star players will be in orlando or not uh has a big effect on whether or not orlando has any sort of foothold right now or if the league simply waits 
seats, uh, Kevin, and waits until basically everybody can play at their stadiums in empty sta- with empty stadiums, um, but can play at home and do these types of things. Um, so that way they aren't sequestered as much and 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 that type of thing. So it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. But it looks like it's all going to play out here in the next couple of weeks. So we'll uh, we'll just sort of keep watching that and see how that goes. Anything else uh, before we get out of here? Oh, there's a lot more, but you want to stop, so I, I'll stop. I do. We'll, we'll we'll call it a day for this one. All right. Uh, if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at kbaxter11. Please head over to latimes.com where you can get all of Kevin's wonderful writing. Uh, talked about uh, the restart of some some casinos here in the, in California and some other places. So uh, he's been bouncing around as there's not as much soccer to cover, but still covering the soccer. So make sure you check Kevin out, latimes.com. If you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at jgesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Uh, head on over to the website, cornerofthegalaxy.com, where we'll keep you up to date on the LA Galaxy and MLS and what they're doing as we get closer to Orlando. Maybe not Orlando, maybe some Orlando. We're going to see here very soon. All right, for Mr. Kevin the Panda Baxter, I'm Josh Patrick Gessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo. And on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.